You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. The old is gone, the new has come. Um, I know that for many, maybe 2019 will be a continuation of what happened last year. Uh, some may have the same. Uh, you ended last year with some problems. You're picking up the same problems this year. Maybe you've ended last year with the same uh, financial situation or physical situation, and then you're picking up the same situation this year. But one thing remains, the one who has been faithful in the previous years will continue to be faithful this year and always. Amen. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on now. And I believe that he will sustain us, and he will see us through. And, uh, you know, no matter how uncertain Sometimes your future is kind of like this uh, Netflix movie called uh, Bird Box. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic. I, I found it weird uh, when I was watching it, but, you know, I, I, I guess it's been a hit nowadays. You have like this, you know, in the malls, you have blindfolds or whatever. But, you know, sometimes we look at 2019 with blindfolds. We're, we're uncertain of what's to come. It, it feels like... You're rowing against the tide and you, you are traversing a river that you're not familiar with. And you're, you're here just wanting to keep your family uh, intact, but yet you are hoping for the best. You don't know what's out there, but somehow you're praying that everything will be safe and okay. Maybe that's one particular scenario in how you look 2019. On the other hand, maybe some of you feel just lucky, okay? Uh, this year being the year of the pig, okay? And so uh, this year might be, you know, some, some people think that, you know, okay, 2019 is the year of the pig. Beautiful prospects for love awaits for those who believe that this is their year. But how many of you know that our future is not in the hands of any animal, not in the hands of any astrology or any alignment of the planets? Come on now. But it's in the hands of the Almighty God who is sovereign, who is powerful, who will see us through. And so uh, no matter what transpired in 2018 and what is to come in 2019, one thing remains. God is faithful. God's going to be there. He's going to be with us. Uh, we don't have to fear. We don't have to complain about the future. We don't have to, uh, to look at the future with anxiety or worry or bitterness or even complaining, knowing full well that God is in charge of uh, what, what's up ahead. And so today we're still uh, doing a series to break sort of. Last uh, weekend, we had Bodhi share the word. It was about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. It's about... Uh, be joyful always. Everyone say, rejoice always. rejoice always. And then say, pray without ceasing. And give thanks in all circumstances. And I believe that those three words are apt uh, messages for the ending of the year and even a very good attitude for the beginning of this year. Uh, next week, we're going to be starting a new series on great faith. And I believe that as we... Um, start a brand new year. Many of us are hoping that we can have a fresh start. Some of us are hoping that we can have a reset button and how, how we can actually just make all things new. Guess what? If anyone is in Christ, he makes all things new anyway. And so, you know, we, I believe that this could be a good chance for us to be able to have a fresh perspective of, about the future. This is the first week of 2019 
uh, you know, all of you are excited. All of you are excited to fast. How much of you excited to fast? Don't worry, nobody dies with fasting, okay? You ate too much like, the past uh, few weeks. And so it's, it's, it's high time for us to be able to uh, set aside physical food in order for us to be able to receive spiritual nourishment. The Bible says, uh, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so we want to set aside uh, this few days in order to seek the Lord, knowing full well that it's not about what we can do, but it's about what He can do for us. And so we're going to be looking at, you know, a topic today on how we can prepare to possess God's promises. How many of you are believing for God's promise in your life, in your family? You know, it's all of us. You know, we have certain promises that we're praying for. We have certain promises in the Bible that we're claiming. We have, uh, you know, we've read a lot of promises. You know, some people say there's about 7,000 promises. Some say there's 13,000 promises. I know that there's thousands of promises you can claim in the Word. Some of you are claiming for personal prophecies. And who knows, 2019 might, might be that uh, for all of us. But yet, there is a certain preparation in order for us to possess our uh, promises. Okay, and so... It's kind of like, you know, you applying for, for example, this year, 2019, is our annual, uh, no, uh, every three years we have a world conference, okay, and it's, it's going to be held in uh, Florida. Maybe some of you are praying to go to Florida to have the world conference, and, you know, you're, you're believing God for a visa for the U.S. And how many of you know that if you apply for a U.S. visa, there has to be some preparation involved? You can't just leave it to chance. You can't just, you know... Go there and not be ready with any documentation. You can't just, you know, be there and not be ready with at least the way you look, the, you know, you've, you've read your documents, or at least you've filled out the form properly and very carefully. You know, as we start this beginning of the year, I believe that there has to be a certain preparation that we need to take up. That's the reason why we're fasting. We're fasting not because we want to twist the arms of God. We're fasting not because we want to tell God, okay, Lord, I'm fasting, so answer my prayers. The reason why we're fasting is because we want to align ourselves with the will of God. Amen. And how many of you know that the will of God is always good, pleasing, and perfect? And if it's always good, pleasing, and perfect, then let's just align with that will because if His will is good, then it's going to be good for us. If His will is perfect, it's going to be perfect for us. And so what we're asking is, Lord, speak to us. You know, open our ears. May we hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us as a church, as we pray and fast, as we set aside physical food. You know, some are preparing already tonight by eating a big buffet meal, okay? Uh, you're imagining, okay, what can I eat tonight that I can stuff my stomach with that will last four days or five days? Don't do that. You will suffer, okay? But... You know, that's why, you know, there has to be a certain, you know, expectation and preparation. You know, I believe that as we sacrifice a little bit, we're not going to not eat for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus fasted for 40 days. We're just going to fast for five days. Don't worry. You know, the, the, the food that is there in your ref will be waiting for you on Saturday. You don't have to eat everything tonight, okay? And so, let's go, go ahead and... Uh, Stand up and read from Joshua chapter 3. Uh, I'll be doing something different this, uh, this afternoon. We're reading from the NIV version, okay? Uh, it's New Year, so I'm reading from the New International Version, okay? Just so that it will be different, okay? Just for this afternoon. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 
to 7 from the NIV. Okay, so, but if you have your digital device, you can shift to NIV. Just go and follow along with me, okay? So, let's all read it out loud since uh, it's a declaration of faith for the year 2019. Okay, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant your God, of the Lord your God, and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. How many of you feel that 2019, you've never been this way before? It's, it's a brand new year, okay? But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for our time this afternoon. We ask that you would continue to uh, illuminate the preaching of your word. Thank you, God, that you will infuse upon your people a fresh level of faith. And even as we embark on a fresh year, I thank you, God, that the best is yet to come for us as individuals, as families, and as a church and a congregation. We ask, Lord God, that you would give us, Lord God, eyes to see what the world does not see, God. And I thank you, Lord God, that we will have a fresh perspective, knowing full well that you're always there with us and for us. And your presence will never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, Lord God, for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Um, just to give us context, I know that many of you are familiar with Joshua. How many of you are familiar with the story of Joshua? Okay. Joshua happens to be the, you know, the successor of Moses. Now, Moses uh, was the deliverer of the nation of Israel. We know that God has given this Israelites a promised land. And if you will recall, recall last year, we had a series on Abraham, where Abraham tra uh, you know, uh, traveled from Haran to, uh, from Ur to Haran to Canaan. And supposedly Canaan was the final stop. That's the promised land. But yet he went to Egypt for a while because there was a famine and then went back again. And then he had children. There's Isaac and there's Jacob. And then Jacob had 12 sons. One of those sons was Joseph. And Joseph was sold as a slave by his loving brothers. How many of you have brothers like that? Okay. Uh, so because their brothers, his brothers kind of hate him because I'm not sure if he's arrogant because of the dreams that he had. He said, you know, I saw all of you bowing before me. You know, he was kind of bragging about the dream of the Lord. And he was the favorite of, Joseph, uh, of Jacob. And so he was sold as a slave, went to Egypt. It was God's sovereign hand that placed him there. He became a slave. He became a prisoner. 
he was uh, lied to by Potiphar's wife, but eventually, after a few years, he ended up as second in command, and he helped save the nation of Egypt, and he actually saved the world from famine. Fast forward 400 years later, he passed away, that generation passed away, there was a new king, and the Israelites grew in number, and the new king said, who are these guys? Let's make them slaves and make them build cities for us. That's in Exodus chapter 1. Now, in this particular case, they were now crying out to God, Lord, you know, this, is, this used to be a nice village for us, but now it's time to go back to our promised land, the one that you gave to us. So they cried out, God raised Moses, and eventually he delivered them from Egypt, thus God fulfilling his promise to the Israelites. Now Moses, we know the story of Moses. He had 10 plagues there. Eventually he, you know, he uh, opened the Red Sea and then he went to Mount Sinai and it came to a point wherein the promised land was before them and this is where we pick up the story. They actually were going around in circles in the wilderness. And in Deuteronomy chapter 34, it says there, then Moses went up. This is the final chapter of uh, Deuteronomy before Josh chapter 1. Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land and the Lord, in verse 4, and the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore what I promised. How many of you know that God is a promise-keeping God? It may not happen in your generation, which He promised to Abraham after centuries. Finally, the promise is about to be fulfilled by the children of Israel. And He said, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give to your offspring. I, will ha I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over. How I many of you know that that... So near yet so far. Because Moses, you know, there's an, there's an anger management issue of Moses, okay? And so he kind of was disqualified to go into the promise that... And God told him, it's not going to be you leading the people. It's going to be another guy, a younger guy, who will succeed you. His name is Joshua. And so this is where we find the particular context. Okay, just to give you the kind of an overview of the map where they were, they came from Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, they went down to Mount Sinai, they got the Ten Commandments there, God gave them the civil laws, the ceremonial laws, and so on and so forth. They stayed for a while in Kadesh Barnea. Everybody say Kadesh Barnea. Okay? Kadesh Barnea is kind of like that camp wherein they stayed for a while. And they strategize on how to enter back the promised land. They could have taken the short route, which is southern portion of the promised land. How many of you know that is just a straight line? The shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line. However, Joshua was sent by Moses and other ten spies. Numbers chapter 13, okay? Moses is still alive here, okay? In Numbers chapter 13, Moses was sent, uh, Moses sent 12 spies in order to go and look at Canaan. And indeed, they went to that and they saw the land flowing with milk and honey. They cut a cluster of grapes. It had to take two people to carry. How many of you have seen grapes like that? One cluster, two people carrying it in a big pole. 
And the ten spies went down to Moses. Uh, actually, the twelve spies went back. Ten spies said, you know what? Yeah, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but there are giants in the land. And Moses, uh, sorry, and Jacob, uh, sorry, uh, Joshua and Caleb said, yes, there are giants in the land, but surely God will give us the land. Ten out of twelve said, it's not going to happen. Guess what? The people believed the majority. They believed in the ten, the bad news. And so they started complaining with Moses. Why did you bring us here in the wilderness? Isn't there enough uh, you know, tombstones or you know, graves in Egypt? Why do we have to be buried here? And so on and so forth. And so they complained. And because of their complaining, how many of you know that God somehow ended that generation and they stayed there in the wilderness for 40 years. How many of you would like to start the year with complaints? He ended up that generation basically and raised up another generation. In fact, the people who entered the, the promised land were not the same people who exited Egypt. The older generation passed away and the only people who survived that generation was Joshua and Caleb because they obeyed God, they believed in His promise, and they said, this is going to happen. And so God was faithful to that particular generation in the person of Jacob, uh, sorry, uh, Jacob, and Jacob, Caleb and Joshua. Post-vacation mode. <laughs> in leading the people of God. And this is where we find ourselves right now. That's one area. They could have gone southern, but they went around to the eastern part, going to the left side of the River Jordan. In other words, umikot sila. Naglongkat, if there's such a word. And if you look at the Jordan River, the Jordan River is a nice river. You know, the Bible has a lot of positive things about the Jordan River. This is the place where Jesus was baptized. In fact, this morning I asked, uh, I think, you know, some people wanted to go back to Israel in order to be baptized there. Parang, ano la, ceremonial baptism, okay? We had some members who did that, okay? And so, but yet, in this particular story, the Jordan River is not really something that's likable. It's more of an obstacle. In fact, it says here, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there. I'm now reading from the ESV, okay? And they lodged there before they passed over. They were in front of the Jordan River, and the Bible says they lodged there. What do you mean by lodged? They stayed there. They camped there. They stayed there for a while because they were assessing, how are we going to cross this huge river? Maybe the strong men can swim, but what about our women and children? So at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp. Three days. Everybody say three days. The Israelites camped out for three days in front of the Jordan River, but the tide remained high. Maybe they were praying, God, move the tide. Or maybe lower the tide. After the first day of praying, the tide is still up. They waited. Second day, they were still waiting and praying. It's still up. On the third day, it's still the same. How many feel that your life is kind of like that? You've been praying and praying and praying and praying for things to happen, and it's, the tide is still up. And the Jordan River is right there in front of you, and there's like an opposition. 
what happens is the Jordan River is what separates the Israelite from the promised land. That is like a huge obstacle for them. In fact, in verse 15 of the same chapter, it says, Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. It was at that point where it's so virtually impossible or difficult to cross the Jordan River because it was at its highest point. This is a, an aerial view or aerial, aerial shot of what the Jordan River is at low uh, tide. Now, how many of you know that when God gives us a promise, normally there has some hindrance or difficulties with that promise? How many of you found out about that by now? Every promise has a difficulty. Check your life. God gives you a promise. How I wish that it's going to be like a walk in the park. You know, when God gives us a promise, it's going to be like, you know, I go to that promise, get it, walk away with it. But how many of you know that many times it's kind of not like that? That when God gives us a promise, there's a huge Jordan River that is in between you and the promise of God for your life. Remember Abraham and Sarah? What was the promise of God for them? I'm going to make you into a great nation. Whoever bless you will be blessed. Whoever curse you will be cursed. What was the difficulty? Sarah was barren. Akala ko ba, Lord? Bigyan mo kami ng anak. And yet the difficulty was barrenness. Every promise has a difficulty. But do not despair because it's not your work. It's God's work, it's God's, it's God's work on your life. Amen. David was promised the kingdom of God. I mean, yeah, the kingdom of Israel, rather. He was anointed by, by Samuel about 16 years before he actually sat on the throne. But yet, we know that there is a big hindrance to the throne between David and the throne that was promised to him by God. And who is that hindrance? His father-in-law, King Saul. Be careful of who you marry. You might end up to have a father-in-law like King Saul. King Saul just basically wanted to kill him. It's a hindrance. It's a promise. God chose David to be the next king, but yet there was a hindrance, a difficulty, an obstacle. Joseph the dreamer, I used that earlier. God said to him, you're going to have, you're going to rule. And the difficulty was, he's got bad brothers. There's Potiphar's wife. There's a prisoner there who forgot about him. Difficulty is all over us. But guess what? Do not despair because God will be the one to move on our behalf. Come on now. Though there might be difficulty in the promise, always look to God as the answer to our difficulty. Now, my question is, why does, God, why, why does God's promise not come easy? I guess because if it's doable by us, then we would claim the glory among ourselves. God wants us to have a point, you know, uh, 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 to push it to the point of not being able to do anything in order for us to cry out to Him anyway so that His power will be made perfect in our weakness. Amen. That's the reason why I believe many times it does not come easy. I was in a dinner last night and I was just chatting with a member of the church and 
I asked permission if I can share this. I'm not going to mention his name. December 23, when he was taking a shower, preparing, I guess, to go out. I'm not sure. But while he was taking a shower, he kind of felt something behind his back, like a hand, you know, uh, as if like there's somebody reaching out from his back, a hand. And he said, who is this guy, you know? He's kind of like, but he was kind of disoriented already. He didn't realize he was suffering a stroke, and that was his own hand that was falling because he couldn't feel anything anymore. He was being paralyzed. He had a slur, and so he was panicking a bit, and he was speaking. He was like that, and the only person who's available was a a family member, the wife. uh, Happens to be in a nearby place, but not there in the house at that moment. It was a Saturday, and they live in BF. And what is so, uh, what is, what is this, what do you normally see? What's the picture of Concha Cruz on a Saturday afternoon? Traffic. But guess what? For the first time, maybe in the history of BF, I'm not really sure. It was Christmas season, Saturday afternoon, there was no cars around. It was as if God just opened the door for them in order for him to be able to get to the hospital. And his wife met him at the hospital. Guess what? In like two hours, his blood pressure was so high and they wanted to administer uh, you know, medicine upon him. But yet the doctor said, wait a bit because there might be a benefit. And guess what? In two hours, that particular high blood pressure pushed out the blockage from his brain. And right after that, he was okay and normal. Praise God. Come on now. In fact, he's, he's here today. Hulaan ko sino. So, you ask the Holy Spirit, okay? And he's here, he's normal, he's worshiping the Lord. What they were saying is, maybe it's because you're so athletic and you've got a strong heart, which is possible that you were able to, you know, uh, you know go through that high blood pressure without suffering a heart attack. That's possible. But how many of you know that what's more possible is that I believe God was the one who saved him. Amen. He's, he said, you know, he was sharing his testimony last night. He said, Pastor A, uh, I've never read the Bible more in my life today. I am the one now leading my wife and encouraging her to read the Bible. I have never missed reading the Bible as in like every day, Pastor. I said, may purpose I see, Lord. Why does God's promise not come easy? Because He wanted us to acknowledge it's not about us. It's about Him. Come on now. Ultimately, come on now. Give the Lord praise. And this year, 2019, might be a difficult you know, I don't know what blockage is there in front of you. I don't know what Jordan River is there in front of you. I don't know what difficulty or impediment is right there in front of you. One thing is for sure. God is the one who's going to move on our behalf. All you got to do is just put your trust in Him. Another thing that we can see in this story is the presence of God. Everybody say presence. One particular article of uh, equipment that was present among the tribes of Israel was called the Ark of the Covenant. 
And the Ark of the Covenant, what's interesting about the Ark of the Covenant, we will see that in verse 3. It says, And commanded the people as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. In other words, when they see the Ark of the Covenant moving forward, the entire assembly is to follow the Ark of the Covenant. Don't go ahead of the Ark. Follow the Ark. How many of you know the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God? And what's interesting is the Ark of the Covenant is made of acacia wood. <laughs> Guys, we're in acacia hotel. It's made of acacia wood. It's made of acacia wood. I think that's in Exodus chapter 25. And, uh, you know, it's covered with gold. But yet what's interesting is the, the things inside of it. Inside of that ark are three things. The tablet stones of the Ten Commandments, the rod of Aaron that budded, and a pot of manna that was kept there and would not even rot. It was just kind of like preserved manna. And I believe that that is a reminder of God to the Israelites that as long as you see the ark, it will remind you of the faithfulness of God that when you were in uh, Egypt and when you were in the wilderness, I provided manna for you every single day until the time that you entered the promised land. How many of you know that despite the fact that many times we disobey God and we're not pleasing to Him, God still provides for us? That's how good our God is. And this particular Ark of the Covenant represents God's presence. In fact, Moses was asking the Lord in Exodus chapter 33, he said, uh, okay, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. We, we know exactly what gives us rest. It's not watching more Netflix. It's not having another vacation. It's not, you know, it's not going through, uh, you know, uh, an aromatherapy massage. It's the presence of God. The presence of God will give us rest. And I believe that that is one constant thing that will continue from last year to the previous year to this year to next year. It's the presence of God. God will remain faithful and He will be with us, never leaving us, nor forsaking us. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the people on the face of the earth? How many of you know that the only distinguishing mark of Christians is really the presence of God? And you don't have to look for the Ark of the Covenant made of acacia wood. You don't have to look at it from this, in this hotel. The presence of God is in us. If, if anyone is in Christ, that's where the presence of God lives and dwells. Amen. Look at the person beside you and tell that person God lives in you. You know, God's presence is a constant in our lives. And I believe that if there's anything that we can actually just take confidence of, is we know that no matter what happens, 
the future is safe. That is His presence giving us you know, protection, provision, and so on and so forth. But yet, there's a certain preparation. Yeah. There. Preparation. Okay. Paki edit. Okay. Hindi ako prepared. But if there's a certain preparation that we need to do, though, Yes, God promised His presence. God promised that is, you know, God gave us His promise. But what do we need on our part to do? And Moses, or not Moses, Moses, but Joshua. Joshua said to the assembly, consecrate yourselves. Everybody say, consecrate yourselves. We see this in verse 5. And he said, I, I commanded the people, consecrate Yourselves. He asks them to prepare themselves for what God is about to do in the assembly. God's going to move in our assembly. That's why we need to get ready. You know, if you're traveling, if you're having a vacation, you, you need to pack things. You know, if, if you know that you're going to be in a journey, you need to prepare. I mean, if you know that in 2019, God's going to do amazing things before us. We got to get ready. Come on now. We got to get ready. <laughs> Excited. Consecrate. To consecrate means to be holy, to be set apart, to be sanctified. Are there areas in our life that needing cleansing and needing a setting apart and needing just purifying thought life, issues of the heart, your wallet? Your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your business, the way you handle your business, the way you handle your business money, the way you pay your taxes, the way you treat your employees, the way you treat your people in the house, your household staff, your, your, the guard in your village. The relationships basically, is there any bitterness or any un- unforgiveness in our hearts? You know, we need to ask the Lord what are the areas in our life that needs consecrating as we prepare for this year when God wants to move? And Joshua is telling the people, God will definitely move. Let's get ready. Because without holiness, no one can see God. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44, God told the people, be holy as I am holy. God's expecting His people to be holy, just like He is. And I'm not saying that you, you know, try to attend more services or try to, you know, it's not about the things that you do, but that there's a certain cutting off of the things of the world. We, you know, if you're a runner and if you run the race, you are to get rid of anything that so easily entangles so that we can run the race that's marked for us. We need to consecrate ourselves. To consecrate ourselves means to make ourselves clean, to cut off every sin that so easily entangles. The Apostle Paul wrote this about this in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. And he said, since we have these promises, he's talking about the promises of God. Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything. Everybody say everything. Not just some issues, but everything. That 
contaminates the body and spirit, perfecting holiness of reverence for God. There has to be a cleansing, a cutting off, and that's exactly what we're doing in the next five days. We're consecrating ourselves. Lord, mamimiss ko yung ramen, or mamimiss ko yung lichong kawale, or mamimiss ko yung whatever, right? okay lang, di ba? But I am doing this so that I can consecrate myself and cut off the strong part of my flesh. And Jesus did this for 40 days. He consecrated himself for 40 days and 40 nights. Matthew chapter 4. He went to the wilderness. The Spirit of God led him there in order for him to prepare for the ministry up ahead. And I believe that God wants us to prepare our hearts, our spirit, our soul, our emotions, our will, our mind, and weaken the body so that we can submit. You know, we, uh, the Apostle Paul said, I buffet my body. Hindi, I buffet my body. Yung iba ang pasaron, I buffet my body. No, I beat my body, I buffet my body so that the things of the flesh will not survive. A.W. Tozer, the, the pastor and an author said this, Have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late? And how little revival has resulted? I believe the problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying. And it simply will not work. No matter how many prayer meetings you go to this coming week, if there is no obedience factor, then we have simply not consecrated ourselves. Let's begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what are the things or the errors in my life I need to repent of? I need to repent of my, the words in my mouth. If, there's, if there has been some harshness in your words or maybe you know, bad words coming out or impure thoughts or, or I don't know, uh, no one else will clean your television for you. No one else will... Uh, Go and, and, and scan all your internet device for you. You're going to do it yourself. I'm not going to do it for you. God's not going to do that. He will convict us. But ultimately, who's going to do the consecrating? Us. We will consecrate ourselves. No one is going to change your bad attitude except you. Look at the person beside you. Yan. Okay, look at the person beside you. Sige, magbago ka. You know, there is, there is our part that we need to do. And it's not about us striving. It's the grace of God allowing us to overcome. The Bible says for the, in Titus chapter 2, I believe, the grace of God has appeared to all men. It's brought us salvation. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. The grace, the same grace that saves us is the same grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. That's why when we say, Lord, I'm consecrating myself. I'm not striving to receive approval from God. He approves of me already. He, you know, I'm saved already. But yet, there is a point in my life I had to constantly just allow myself to walk in holiness and reverence unto the Lord. And lastly, as I come to an end, is the power that happens after this. First is promise. God has given us His promise. So we know that when God gives a promise... He'll be faithful to fulfill that, fulfill that promise. Talks about His presence. One thing that will remain and will not change is the presence of God in our lives. 
And now as believers, we possess that presence. Wherever the people of God goes, the presence of God goes with them. You know, if, if uh, somebody, you know, one preacher said, if LeBron James is to the Cavaliers then, okay, and now he's to the Lakers. And if uh, Steph Curry is to the Warriors. And if uh, uh, Michael Jordan was to the Bulls, God is to the Ark of the Covenant. But in the New Testament, God is with the church. We are. In, you know, God, the, the, the presence of God inhabits the church, us. The believers. That's why we need to constantly allow His Spirit to move in us. Lord, are there areas in my life that I need to change? Do your cutting or pruning work in my life. And the last, Cyan, is the Lord will do wonders. The Lord will do amazing things before us. The result of Joshua's command to the people of Israel was that they did consecrate themselves. And God did wonderful things among them. There's our part and there was God's part. Our part is to consecrate ourselves. God's part is to do amazing things before us. If we don't do our part, how can God do His part? We need to prepare the way. In other words, there's always a time of preparation. I mean, we've done with this uh, point, But John the Baptist had to prepare the way for the coming of Christ. There has to be a preparation. And I believe that as we consecrate ourselves, it's a time of preparing for the power of God to flow in us and through us. In verse uh, 5b, in verse 6, it says, For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. This is now from the ESV version. And Joshua said to the priest, I'd like to ask the music team to join me here on stage, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And it says there that the Ark somehow is situated about a thousand or a, 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 you know, a thousand yards away from the people. Why is that? For one, nobody can actually survive going near the Ark by the presence of God. We are the big beneficiary of the presence of God. We're not struck dead. And the presence of God is in us. But another, I believe another reason why the Ark of the Covenant is right there ahead is so that the people and the multitude can actually see what's in front of them, which is the presence of God. We dare not start this year, 2019, without the presence of God. Guess what? As we begin this year, God's already been here. God went ahead of us and He prepared the way for us. And I believe this year will be a year of God revealing His power, His might. He's going to move in signs and wonders that you have never seen before. In verse 14, it is exactly what happened to the Jordan River. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of the harvest. 
the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on what? Dry ground. What used to be so flooded, what used to be so impossible, and impossible is now possible because of what God did on dry ground. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. God did it with Moses as they crossed the Red Sea. And He promised, Today I will exalt you before the people as I was with Moses. I will be with you also. There might be something new that God's doing. There might be an unfamiliar thing that God has done to your life. As God was with the old, He will also still be with you in the new. All we need to do is just to put our faith and trust in the Lord, knowing full well that He holds the future in His hands. Amen. Come on up. Give the Lord a hand. Can we just bow our heads right now? I want us just to take a short moment of consecrating ourselves and having a time of preparation. I know that tomorrow we're starting the fast and we're starting our prayer meetings, but we can begin today by asking the Lord, Lord, are there areas in my life that needs cleansing and purifying and consecrating? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal to us areas that we need to change. Impure thoughts, unforgiveness, bitterness, maybe anger, hatred, maybe lust of the flesh, maybe lust of the eyes, maybe lack of gratitude. Maybe a complaining spirit. And you can add to the list and so on and so forth. Just ask the Lord right now, maybe for a few seconds. Oh Lord, forgive us. By the blood of Jesus, we consecrate ourselves today. Cleanse us so that we can do your will. Give us an obedient heart. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in our midst today, God. Give us eyes to see what the world cannot see. Give us a heart that is compassionate, a heart that is gracious to people, a heart that is forgiving, a heart that is merciful. Give us generous hands, Lord. Help us to be a blessing to the people around us. Help us to share love, even to those who don't deserve to receive love. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will allow your people to be a blessing this year, God. And indeed, we can see that you will move mightily in our midst, God. As we consecrate ourselves, we know that tomorrow you will do amazing things before us. We thank you, Lord God, for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.